0: In the book, The Telling Room, the author tells a true story about going back to his ancestral roots in Sicily. And he found the little village where his family had come from, and he stayed there for several days. One thing he noticed was there was an elderly lady every day who would leave the village. He described her as walking at the pace of a slow tortoise with her cane walking, she'd walk out of the village and she would walk up the hill to where the village cemetery was and she would stay and she would come back. He noticed that happened three days in a row. So he asked one of the locals, he said, tell me the story there. That looks like that's got to be tough. He goes, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a six hour round trip on foot takes her a couple hours to walk up there. She has to rest a couple hours, and then a couple hours back, six hours every day. How often does she do that? She does that every single day. Well, the guy thought what I thought, that she was going up there to pay respects to a husband she'd been married to for 70 years, or a friend, or God forbid, a child that had passed away. And the guy he was talking to said, oh, no, no, that's not the reason she's going up there. He said, well, why does she make a six-hour trip by foot every day to the cemetery? She was going up there to spit on the grave of her lifelong enemy every single day. Are you bitter this morning? (laughs) Are you an idiot and bitter this morning? (laughs) We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, and we're talking about, in our series on prayer, we're talking about forgiving others as a part of prayer. If you were here last week, we talked about praising God in our prayer time, lifting up and telling God how wonderful and great He is. And again, you ought to pray uh, without ceasing anytime, everywhere, but we're talking about building your prayer life, your prayer time. And after Praising God, a often neglected part of prayer, is this part about forgiving others in Matthew 6. And I want to begin with this. Forgiving others is a key, not the only key, but a key to answered prayers. Now, I want to this is a silly question, but I want an answer. How many of you, how many of you want God to hear you when you pray? Okay, if you don't, stop praying, Right? Because you're just talking to yourself. And if you do that too much, you're going to end up someplace that you're not going to be happy, okay? If prayer matters to you, and it ought to matter to you tremendously, forgiving others is a key to our prayer life being effective. In Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, it begins with, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Verse fifteen. But if you refre- refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you your sins. The context here is crucial. This is a commentary on the Lord's prayer. We know the Lord's prayer really ought to be the disciples' prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name? Thy kingdom come. We say it before ball games, after ball games. We, we've said it most of our life in the South. This is the only part of the Lord's prayer that Jesus comments on more. Now listen, the Lord's Prayer is a bigger context. It's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the Sermon on the Mount was not primarily Jesus teaching lost people how to be saved, but he was teaching saved people how to live. These are words to Christians that he's sharing here about prayer, okay? And he says the most stunning thing, He says, if you want God to forgive you, this isn't talking about salvation. This is talking about your fellowship with God. You've got to forgive others. In verse 12, it uses the word, and and forgive us our sins. Listen to to this. This is where he comments on in verse 14 and 15. As we have also, as we have, past tense, forgiven those who sin against us. Leave that up there if you would. In other words, what he's saying there is what we're we're fixing to, to dive into is that we go to God and confess our sins. That's what we're going to preach on next Sunday about that part of prayer. But it's already assumed here that we have forgiven other people before we ask God to forgive us. And verse 12, remember the New Testament was written in Greek and the word... Sin there, in some translations, it's translated as debt, which is a good translation. And we understand what a debt is. A debt is we owe somebody something. All of us have a debt to God. We owe God. We sin against God. But people have debts against us. They do us wrong. They owe us, whether it's money or, or love or kindness or whatever it is. It's interesting in verse 14, it says, and forgive us our sins. The word sin there is the word trespass. Do you know what it, the trespass means? To violate someone's property or their things. You, you see signs that say no trespassing on property. So if you cross over that fence, you are trespassing. And, and you can trespass unintentionally. You can, if you're, especially if you're a hunter or a squirrel hunter or something, you can, you can go on other people's property where you shouldn't be. A lot of times you may not even know that you are, Or you can just hop the fence and go to someone's place where you're not supposed to be. And God's talking about spiritually and and morally and ethically here... You trespass against people, and people trespass against you. People, we're talking about them to us this morning, so I'll just focus on that. People go places in your life they're not supposed to go. They do things to you they're not supposed to do. They say things they shouldn't say. They treat you in ways that decent people don't treat other people. People cross into your stuff, don't they? Well, They do me, none of you, but they do. And It's tough. And then Jesus throws this little caveat here he says hey by the way christian if you want me to forgive you this is not salvation this is fellowship you want to stay in a right relationship with me you've got to forgive others before i offer my pardon to you psalm 66:18 is a powerful verse if i had not confessed the sin in my heart the lord would not have listened you decide, I'm not going to confess my sins, I'm not going to deal with the junk in my life. How presumptuous to think you can just go to God like He's Santa Claus. I said this a few weeks ago, Even Santa operates on the naughty and nice list. If you don't take any other note, write this down this morning. Prayer is done on God's terms. It's not done on your terms. It's not done on my terms. It's not done on some commentator's term or some fancy television evangelist's terms. It's done on God's terms. We have to pray on God's terms to be effective. God says sin that's not dealt with in our life interferes with our ability to pray. And the specific sin that's laid out in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 is the sin of unforgiveness. Here's what God's saying. You Make a choice not to forgive other people, to hold on to your bitterness. You can do it. You you have the freedom to do it. But you need to understand you're completely compromising your prayer life. Wow. I want you to think about that this morning. Years ago, I was in a church service. It was a little church. Everybody knew everybody. And a lady was asked to pray. And she prayed. It was a beautiful prayer. I mean... I went to school, a long time, Bible preacher school, and I can't pray like that. I mean, it was pretty. It was like, wow, this is, that was really a nice prayer. But everybody in the room knew that it didn't hit the ceiling. And it was a low ceiling. Because she was one of the most bitter, unforgiving, troubled people that that I have known. And everyone in the room knew about it. A key to your prayers being answered it's what we're talking about this morning. It's dealing with forgiving other people. I want to read to you something, a preacher named Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry, he's been dead 300 and something years, but it's, it's funny how he starts this off. He said, some of the modern commentaries, 1750, try to explain away Matthew six fourteen and 15. And it is a great presumption of dangerous consequence for any of us to make light matter of what Jesus Christ has laid such a great stress upon. Amen, Matthew Henry. To water this down is to water down the words of Jesus Christ. If we want our prayers to be answered, one of the keys, one of the keys... It's dealing with the stuff in our heart towards other people. Now, here's something I think will help you. Let's answer some questions. First of all, what, what unforgiveness is not. Unforgiveness, let's see what it is. It's not. A lot of times we have a problem forgiving people because we don't understand what it means to forgive. And we think, if I forgive them, i got to go rub shoulders with them and love them and date them and be buddies and all that. But that's not what forgiveness is. Number one, forgiveness is not approval. It's not approval. When you see, sometimes you think if I forgive that person and I'm nice to them, that they're going to think what they did is okay, or that I approve of them, or I want to be in their life again. And forgiveness is not approval. You can hate what someone has done. In fact, if they've done wrong, they've done you wrong, they've hurt your family, they've hurt your friends. It is not normal or healthy to say that's okay. Forgiveness is not approval of wrong behavior. It's the old hate the deed but love the doer. You're separating the deed from the doer, okay? Number two, and this is huge. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. It's not reconciliation. And I put in parentheses, it's not dumb. None of you know any dumb people. Well, you know dumb people, but you're not dumb. So you can help me pass this on to them. One of the things I struggled with for years, especially when I was a young Christian, was that, okay, if I forgive them, what does that mean about my relationship with that person? Romans 12.18 says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Now Romans 12.18 is saying reconcile. It's saying, if it depends on you, get it right with other people. Some of you today, you need, before you leave this building, there's people you're mad at. There's people you haven't forgiven. You need to find them. You need to do what you can to reconcile it, to make it right. Make that phone call today. Maybe that relationship will be restored because you make the move to reconcile. But here's the second part of that. Sometimes reconciliation is not possible, or it's not even smart. The lady going and spitting on the grave. How stupid. Really, I'm sorry, I know that's a bad word. How, how unintelligent is that? If someone's dead. You, you can't be reconciled with them. You can be in your heart and your mind, but it's not going to be right. And listen, sometimes, sometimes reconciliation is not the best thing. Let's just say, if, you, if you're a boss and you have an employee or you supervise people and someone cheats, they lies, they're lazy, they steal from you, fire them. Pray for them. Wish them the best. But don't be a goofball and hire them back in six months. Amen? Okay, y'all y- 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 go ahead, but we're not going to. Reconciliation. Listen, you're dating someone, listen to me. All the guys are looking away. The girls are looking pretty intense right now. And they are mean to you, and they're not nice to you, and they try to do things that you shouldn't do. Forgive them. Be nice to them, and break up with them. I had someone, this was an adult in another state. Wasn't anybody here? One time they was telling me, they go, man, I'm dating this person, I'm just trying so hard. I'm working so hard at this date relationship. And I said, break up with them. You don't work hard when you're dating. That's what happens when you get married. I need an amen on this. If you got to work hard when you're dating, it's going to be brutal when you get married. (laughs) Y'all hear that? Come on. We're talking to you. (laughs) Forgiveness doesn't mean you can continue to date someone who is a moron. You don't. God forbid. There's there's a few reasons for divorce. Just a very few. Biblically, adultery, dangerous situation, and you're in one of those things, and it's not getting better, you may need to divorce that person. And you need to forgive that person. But if they're continuing that way, you don't, don't, you don't reconcile that. Am I making sense? Forgiveness, this is so helpful. It's not reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two. Some people are evil. Some people are crazy. Some people are just not going to do their part. And it takes two. And if they're not going to do their part, you forgive them, and you move on. Okay? Okay? Forgiveness is not reconciliation. That's a really important thing. Now, let's look at this. What is forgiveness then? What, what is forgiveness? Number one, it's not striking back. Doesn't that hurt your feelings to hear that? A Roman historian named Livy, Livy said this. There was a Roman law. If Someone owed you money. I'm looking at some of you thinking if you owed me money, it'd be fun to do this to you. That you could twist their head until blood came out of their nose. Wouldn't that be funny? (laughs) Josh, come on, come on. And that's what you want to do when they're mean to you, they're a bad friend, they're a stick in the back, they stick you in the heart. Forgiveness, number one, is not striking back. Romans 12, 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Doing such things, do things in a way everyone can see that you are honorable. If you get this, this will help you. It's not hitting back. It's not cussing them. It's not slandering them. It's not blogging them, Facebooking them. You may have to defend yourself or your family or friends, But forgiveness is not striking back. Number two, forgiveness is letting God get them. Now, folks, this is good stuff. Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. That's that's hard because revenge and unforgiveness is normal. This is all opposite of the way we're normally built. Leave that right to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say... I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Isn't that great? You know what? It is comforting to know that if someone has hurt you, someone has betrayed you, someone has truly done you wrong, you don't have to smack them down. God is going to eventually. Now, I want you to say this with me like you really mean it. Because I know some of you do. I want you to say this with me. We're going to say this together. We're going to say, God, get them. You ready? One, two, three. God, get them. He heard that. so And he knows who you're talking about. But see, this is helpful when, when you go, okay, how do I forgive? Number one, I'm not going to strike back. Number two, I'm going to let God, who has a really good paddle, take care of him. And God knows how to pinch you right where it hurts. Isn't that the truth? God, God can and will get your attention. Okay, so it's letting God get them. Number three, it, it's letting go. It, it's, forgiveness is I'm going to let go of my bitterness, my resentment, my unforgiving spirit. In 1647, Oliver Cromwell captured King Charles I of England. Charles was tried and he was sentenced to death and he was hanged on June the 30th, 1649. Fifty-nine men signed the death warrant. Be careful about signing death warrants, by the way. Eleven years later, the royalists regained the power and restored to the throne Charles's son. Immediately, Charles II set about to revenge his father's death. He ordered the fifty-nine men arrested who had signed the death warrant for his father. Fifteen had already died undaunted, he had the 15 bodies dug up and those 15 corpses put on the gallows and hanged with those other people who had done that to his father 11 years earlier. At some point, you've got to stop digging stuff up. Verse 14, it says, For if you forgive those who sin against you, literally that biblical word there, forgive, means to send away. It means to dismiss it. It means to let it go. We're going to talk in just a second about how some ways we can pray and do that. Now, here's what, here's what I've heard my whole life. I'll forgive them, but I'm not forgetting it. Well, okay, a couple of things. One, if you've got a normal mind, you cannot completely forget. That's part of that intelligence. You don't date or hang around with somebody who's not a good person. You learn your lesson and you move forward. So you can't completely forget, and you have to have wisdom in dealing with that person moving forward. But if if your idea is, well, I'll forgive, but I'm not letting it go, you're not forgiving. Forgiveness is the idea that I'm not going to hold that against them anymore. I'm going to let it go. So when we talk about biblical forgiveness, it's not striking back. It's letting God deal with them, and it's you and I choosing to let it go. Now, here's my big challenge for us this morning. This is the prayer part of it. All of this, I think, helps with the prayer. Make forgiving God, making forgiving others, excuse me, not God, a first and key part of your prayer life. I believe that you look at the biblical patterns of prayer. We begin, we praise God, we praise God, we honor God. And then I think if you take seriously the pattern we see in Scripture, the second thing we should do is we ought to deal with the junk that we're having with other people. Now, again, you can look at this this morning and you can water it down or you can say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I love what William Barclay, a New Testament scholar, said. He said, this is frightening. This passage is frightening. Because on it hinges how effective our prayer life is going to be. I agree with this. Psychology Today, several years ago, had an article on unforgiveness and it said when you're bitter, it, it binds you. It destroys you, and it's futile. And I want to throw this in. It ruins your prayer life. Ask yourself today, is it worth praying and God not responding so I can just be bitter? Is it worth that for you? I'm telling you, it's not worth that for you. Several years ago in the newspaper, Dear Abby article, someone wrote in about forgiveness. And they they said, well, I could forgive this person if they would ask for it. Well, here's the weird thing. God, God doesn't tell you and me to forgive them if they ask for it. He says, forgive them. That's not even fair, is it? But it's what God tells us to do. How do we do it? Okay, you're praying. How do we do this? Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you forgive them. This is God's will. Sometimes we're praying about stuff we don't know for sure if it is God's will. This is God's will. God honors this. When you say, God, help me forgive that person or this person. Help me, God, to forgive them. God will honor that. I promise you. Number two, tell God that you're going to let them and you're going to let it go. As you're praying, you tell God, God, help me to do this. And God, I'm going to let that person, I'm going to let that, what they've done to me, I'm with your help, God, I'm going to let it go. It's interesting, the, the New Testament Greek word for bitter, the root word of it that's found anywhere in the New Testament, if you translate it to the English, it would be our word pick, P-I-C, but it, it literally means to pick. Penetrate or to to prick you. And and, and folks, that's what bitterness does. It pricks your heart, it pricks your mind, it it keeps you awake at night. It it just it ruins you. Pull the thorn out. With the help of God, let it go, let them go. That's what you're doing, you're trying to do in your prayer. Number three, change your mental picture of that person. If there's somebody you're bitter towards, you normally picture, picture them with horns and a pitchfork, right? Are a noose around their neck or either they're in quicksand up to here right I and mean, they're not going all the way under they're just are concrete up to their neck as you pray you've got to you, you've got to you've got to think about that person differently as you're trying to forgive them and and this goes right with this you love them. do you love them in your prayers yes that's what you that's what you're trying to do in in romans twelve20 it says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now listen, when the Bible talks about loving your enemies, it's not talking about gooey gooey love New Testament there was a brotherly love there was a romantic love there was a family love that's not the word used here the word used here is that word agape which means I choose to act a certain way towards someone when you're forgiving someone it's going to affect how you see them how you treat them to their face how you treat them behind their back and here's where you're really getting the success is when your heart feels differently about this person Love them, even in your prayers. Number, number five, and this is tough too, pray for them. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to pray for them, all right? I'm going to pray that God gets them and that they get a burning coals dumped on their head. Amen? Matthew five forty four. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Very easy for Jesus to say, right? I want to challenge you to do this. Start praying for those people who've hurt you. I heard a story of a man that, that years ago when he died, they were going through his Bible. And there was a list of about 25 names. And the grandson found the Bible and asked grandma, I said, who, who uh, th- this grandpa's prayer list. I said, well, these are people he prayed for every day. And the son, grandson said, I've never heard of these people. And she said, well, they weren't ever around us. Well, why? Because these were people who had hurt him. These were people who had done him wrong. And he prayed for him every day. Listen, when you pray, do you understand you can be honest with God? Do you understand if you're not honest, he gets it anyway? I pulled one on God this morning. No, you didn't. God sees through it. Get real when you're praying. And so when you're praying, Lance, man, I love you, brother. I'm just going to use you as an example. Let's say Lance stole my bluebell. He stole my Bible. And he still owes me a grambling shirt that he has not gotten me yet. Worse than that, he got me one like four sizes too big, which means he thinks I'm fat and he hurt my feelings. (laughs) Not that I still remember that from six months ago, Lance. But I'm not bitter at all with Lance. But let's just say, if I was, I'm saying, God, bless Lance. Man, bless his family, bless his ministry. Lord, I don't mean a single word. I'm praying, help me to mean it. God, listen, God honors that kind of prayer. God doesn't honor flowery, silly, spiritual, pie-in-the-sky prayers. God honors real prayers. Get real with God. God knows anyway. You're not fooling Him. So if I'm praying, God bless Lance, I really want that bluebell to make him weigh 800 pounds that he stole from me, God. But bless him. God, I don't mean this. Help me to mean it. God will honor that prayer. And as you pray for them, listen, they may or may not change, but it will change you. Isn't that cool? I pray for that person who's hurt me. They still may be a jerk. But God will change my heart. Pray for them. And lastly, stay with this the rest of your life. Rarely do you go home when someone's hurt you and you pray about it and you're good with it and it's over with and done. Because a lot of times what happens is you see them two weeks later, and all those emotions come back, don't they? Are you work with them. You, you, you know, you're, you're around them a lot, or you live with them. I, I shared this at our prayer at Lord's Supper service a few weeks ago. A friend of mine, a minister in Texas, he, he was in a church, and they, the church had a lot of problems, and he really kind of got done wrong. And I mean, he's doing great. He, he landed on his feet real well. But he told me this. He said, Chris, it's it's been two years. He said, every day I wake up, I have to re-forgive those people because the hurt is still, the wound is still fresh. I want to tell you, that wound, if you treat it right, that wound will heal. But it may not heal tomorrow. It may not heal in six months. It may take some time. So yes, I can genuinely forgive someone and, and tomorrow have to go through that process all again. That's normal. That's normal. Make a commitment that this is going to be the way you pray the rest of your life. Because I'm going to tell you, until you get to heaven, you're going to have problems with people. You just are. Years ago, in New York City, there was an infamous thief. And they didn't know who he was, but the police were able to determine it was the same person. And he was breaking in to high-dollar homes on Long Island robbing lots of people, getting away with it. Finally, he was caught. It was a guy named Maxwell White. He had done so many crimes, he was given 99 years in prison. Folks, you can kill somebody and not get 99 years in prison. He spent 33 years in prison until he got paroled. And when he got paroled, There was actually some reporters that still were alive and remembered him. And they showed up at the prison when he got released. And they wanted to interview him. So they all gathered around this frail little man, little ex-thief, Con, And they asked him, they said, ''Max, well, now you can tell us who did you steal the most from?'' You robbed from the rich and the famous. You stole millions of dollars worth of stuff. Who did you rob the most from? He looked at him with tears in his eyes, and here's what he said. I stole the most from me. I ruined my life. So I want to tell you today, you can choose bitterness. And you can even be really piously, fakely spiritual and choose to be bitter. I want to tell you the person you're going to hurt the most is not the person you hate the person you're going to steal the most from is you and I want to ask you one more time is it worth holding on to that bitterness to lose your prayer life and I say to you it's not let's pray This morning, if you're a Christian, we're going we're to talk to you a little bit more in a moment. But I hope that God's speaking to your heart. And I hope you're ready to get real and serious with him about this. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, today's a great day to nail that down. If you're ready, just pray with me where you are. And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's Son and that you died for me and that you arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And today, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And here's what I want you to do. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your life. Are you ready to do that? I know this is hard, but when we stand up, I want you to come today. Come today and cross that line with Jesus. You say, well, I'm, a, I, I'm scared of the big crowds. Catch us after church. We'll take care of it. Maybe you're you're ready to join the church today. We would love for you to do that. You can do it after church. Catch one of us. Are you this morning? If you're ready, you can step out and come when we give this invitation. We'd love for you to do that. Christian, what are you going to do with what we saw today? Will you make a choice with the help of God to live a life to make a key part of your prayer time forgiving others? Maybe you want to come and pray at the altar or pray with a minister. Maybe just where you're standing, you need to begin to ask God to help you to deal with the junk in your heart. Let's stand. You come now. We'll be waiting on you. Just.